Hello and welcome to the Brain Care Podcast, a practical and impactful series of snappy episodes on how to optimize your mental health and performance so you can reach your full potential. My name is Dan Murray-Serta, and I'm the co-founder at Heights. We make smart supplements and clever content with the world's leading experts to help you take care of your brain so it can take care of you. If I told you getting up an hour earlier could change your life, would you give it a go? In this week's Encore episode, that's exactly what Adrienne Herbert wants you to do, and it's her best-selling book, The Power Hour, that has convinced lots of people to do the same. In this episode, Adrienne explains her peak performance philosophy as we discuss ruthless routines, cultivating healthy habits, and how that extra hour in the morning can really start to catalyze the change you want to see in your life. So, as the new year approaches and we all start to think about habits, resolutions, and things we can do to make 2022 the best year ever, maybe this episode could be somewhere to start. Here is Adrian Herbert. Okay, yes, my power hour is the first hour. It is non-negotiable. And what I do at the moment is I have my phone downstairs plugged in in the kitchen. So it's not my phone, it's my alarm. My alarm goes off, I get up, I go into the bathroom and I put cold water on my face. And then I just do some nasal breathing and it's not super long. It's not super structured. I just do some nasal breathing to get some oxygen in. And whilst I'm doing that, that breathing pattern, I will just think firstly, like, what day is it? What am I doing today? What's coming up? What am I going to do today? What's in my schedule? Uh, and I might pick a word or a phrase or something that I've listened to, something that I want to kind of take with me in my mind before I start the day. Then I'll go downstairs and I'll either get my kit on, get my shoes, lace up and head out and go for a run. Or at the moment I will roll out the mat and I'll do stretching, mobility. It's not, again, it's not a structured following this sequence in a specific routine, but it's always challenging upper body, core, lower body. I'll break a sweat a little bit, stretch a lot, breathe a lot. And then in the shower, and then I'll probably, yeah, check in. My son will probably be awake by that point. So once I hear that he's up, he'll come down. And yeah, the day can change after that. But that's usually the first hour. And what time is that for you? 5.30. So it's between 5.30 and 6.30. And that seems to be the, the, the window of time that works best for me. Have you read The Miracle Morning? I have read Miracle Morning and honestly, I think it feels very Miracle Morning. Yeah. People are challenging me right now on this time. They're like, why does it have to be 5.30? Can't it be seven? Um, so yeah, I do advocate for it being early, which is not always popular. It's not always what people want to hear, but I really truly, because of, you know, it's impacted my life so profoundly. I really think if people could commit and give it a good try for a long time, get to bed a bit earlier, quality sleep, then honestly, it, it's a game changer. It really is. What, what time do you go to sleep then? So I go to bed, I go to bed between 9.30 and 10, which again, for some people just seems so early, but I love it. I love, you know, the feeling in the morning that people talk about when they're like, oh, I can't get out of bed. It's comfortable, this and that. I'm like, you can have that same feeling just going to bed early. I get into bed and I'm like, oh, it's so comfortable and I can relax. And I, and it's, it's so nice. I'm like, why are people always saying how tired they are? I just want to have this big sign somewhere that just says go to bed because everyone's just most about how tired they are, you know, drinking coffee. Oh, Adrian, I can't get up early and do power hour. I wish I had more time. And I'm like, go to bed, go to bed. It's almost like the, yeah, I feel like it's this secret that people don't know. You can go to bed early. Spot on. Okay. What does wellness mean to you? I know it's a very broad term, but it means different things to different people. So let's hear your version. 
Wow. What does wellness mean to me? Oh, you know, this is a really difficult question because all I'm thinking of initially is what wellness doesn't mean. So I might start start there. there. Yeah, I might start there. So I think what wellness doesn't mean because I've worked in the fitness and wellness space for almost a decade is the commodity commercialized, you know, drink a green juice, um, have expensive leggings, go to a boutique studio. That's not wellness. So I feel like I can see straight away like what wellness isn't. And I think it's often what is sold to people, you know, like the magic food thing or a specific time restriction or diet or there's all of these things now that I think we're clubbing into into wellness so that we can sell it basically so that we can make a product or a service that we can say to people pay money for this because this is wellness when actually I guess what wellness is is it's everything it's how we live it's how we feel it's how we move how we communicate how we sleep how we feel. Do we feel well? Do we sleep well? Do we look well? I think it's, I think wellness is actually everything, everything. Yeah. That we, everything that's what wellness is. It's everything. Are you well or not? Wellness is everything, but the things that you were saying it's not. (laughs) Is that a terrible answer? No, I like it. It is is the answer. So we're going to stick to it. What framework do you use to achieve everything you want in life, creating the space that you need to thrive and feel good inside? And I guess the reason that I'm asking this is because, you know, as we touched on in our previous conversation, you're not advocating for, you know, this zeny space, need my space, whatever, like you're very ambitious, you want to achieve a shit ton of stuff in life, and you need to find the space for wellness. So that doesn't just accidentally happen. That's clearly a process or a framework. So talk us through that. Yes, you're right. It's it's intentional. As you mentioned, I have a long list of ambitions that I want to do. I can't do them all right now. It might take time. So I need to be able to feel good for long enough to be able to do all the things I want to do, run the races, travel to the countries, write the books, meet the people. I've got a lot to do. I think how it works in terms of a framework and what that looks like is prioritization, not being busy. I think busyness is almost become a badge of honor. People want to, you know, if you're busy, it means you're in demand. If you're busy, it means you're productive. If you're busy, 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 you must be doing great things. When in reality, I think the opposite is true. So that is something I'm striving for is to do less so that I can live more. I don't want to be busy. I don't want to be back to back in a schedule. That for me is not how I will thrive. So what it looks like is having my power hour, sticking to that, having routine and having structure and discipline. I don't necessarily want to run every single day that I do run, but I'm, I'm disciplined. I know that I have a plan and I know that the miles or or what I need to do to get to the start line of a race or the finish line of a race. So I'm quite diligent when it comes to that. I also know that I need the recovery and needs as much focus as the training. Recovery doesn't just mean rest day. It doesn't just mean sports massage or sleep. It means all of it. Recovering it, my, my adrenal glands, my cortisol levels, recovery in every sense, which is yeah, sleep, white space, mindfulness, breath work, actually allowing every one of my systems to recover so that when I 
go into the next thing, whether that's a busy day, whether that's um, doing something with my son, whether that's working a creative project where I really have to just sit and kick the tires on an idea. I need to be able to be able to give a hundred. I need to be able to yeah recover in the same way, fill myself up and you can't give what you don't have. So it constantly has to be this battle, especially for me in terms of prioritization of saying, prioritize the sleep, prioritize the recovery, prioritize listening and learning. Cause I absolutely, that's something that gives me more energy than it takes is to listen to podcasts, learn, listen to audiobooks. So yeah, trying to balance the two. I'm certainly not perfect. I can't say that I hit the perfect balance every single day, but I just aim for like, I'd say I'm aiming for an 80% success rate, 80, 20. Let's talk about habits then. So habits is a topic I'm fascinated by. It's been at the core principle of everything that we've built at Heights, helping our uh, tribe build healthy habits every single day so that they don't have to panic and then correct course with some drastic action of extremes later. And I know that you're a bit of a whiz when it comes to helping build healthy habits. So give us some, some of your knowledge bombs and education on how you've done it. Well, firstly, I'd say, again, reading and research, the research on habits is vast. Some people say it takes 30 days to create a new habit. Some people say the magic number is 100. Some people say that you actually your habits will always change. And depending on your personality type and the way you make decisions and your environment, your habits will always change. So there's no real definitive answer. I think that was what I wanted to express in the habits chapter of my book is I said, it takes what it takes. What it takes for me might be different to what it takes for someone else, but there are some kind of key pillars. And so one would be assess and reflect, like assess what are your current habits, which ones are useful, which ones are non-useful, which ones are, and by useful and non-useful, the way I define that is a useful habit is taking me closer towards a goal or it's aiding me in and giving me the outcome that I, the desired outcome. And a non-useful habit is doing the opposite. So it's a distraction or it's holding me back or it's keeping me stuck. So until you actually assess what they are, that's the first place you need to start. Because often, for example, if you say what we say we do isn't always what we actually do. So if I said to you how, for some people, if you ask them how many units of alcohol they drink in a week, they might say, oh, you know, not really that much. I don't really drink that much, not that many. But then a dietitian says, can you give me a food diary? And then they add it up throughout the week. And it's like, oh, actually, it's a lot. So until you assess and reflect, you might not actually see what those useful and non-useful habits are. So once you assess, like, have a look at it, maybe you need to cross a few off, maybe you need to marry condo it a bit and say, you know what, less is more, let me focus and, and highlight the things you want to do more of. After that, I'd say, in terms of practical things, you need to set yourself up for success, you need to give yourself, uh, you know, small rewards as you go, you need to have a finish line that is close and a finish line that is far. So I try to hold both in my mind. It's like, what are the habits that are taking me towards that end goal, that far away finish line that feels overwhelming? And what are the small wins today, this week, this month, this year that are going to mean that I get there? Because I often say with habits, what we do sometimes really doesn't matter. What we do most of the time ultimately will determine and will define what we achieve and the, and the, and the end outcome. So if the habit becomes you. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that is in, in all areas of our life, career, health, like what are you becoming? Your habits are you are becoming something. And if you're not intentional about what that is, then as you said, you get to a kind of crossroads of, well, what do I do now? And then the last thing I'd probably say when it comes to habits is 
the really simple stuff, which I think you've probably heard again and again and again, but it's really true, is that you need to add friction to make the non-desirable habit, the thing that you don't want to do, you have to add some friction to make it hard for yourself because we're human beings. Just relying on willpower and just relying on choice and decisions, we get decision fatigue. We make so many decisions and choices in a day. You need to, almost like I said at the start, set yourself up for success, take those habits that, or, the, or the things you want to change, put them out of sight, put them far away, whether it is the phone, whether it is the wine, whether it is a negative relationship, a friend, someone who just brings you down and criticizes you all the time. Get away from those things, you know, basically put some space between you and the non-useful habit. That is spot on. Thank you. Um, what are your three top takeaways then for listeners who want to create their own power hour? Um, obviously build healthy habits within that and then achieve more without actually compromising their ambition. Yes. Oh, I like that. Not compromising your ambition. So my three top tips, if you're going to start a power hour is number one, eliminate distractions. It's very hard in the world that we live in right now, but try to eliminate distractions, make the power hour, uh, a non-negotiable time where you can focus whatever that environment is for you, cultivate an environment where you can focus. Tip number two, when it comes to creating your power hour would be talk about it, share it, speak it. Words have power, communicate with people. If you, other people, if you live with them, that it's important to you and that you're going to be doing that and that they should support you, not roll their eyes, not say, Oh, what thing are you starting now? You listen to a podcast. Now you're doing this. Yes, I am. And I'm going to give it hundred percent and I need you to support me. So talk about it. Even talking about it as well is going to give you a bit more accountability to doing it. So that would be number two. And number three would be manage your expectations. You know, I mentioned that 80, 20, what is your expectation and what do you want to get out of having a power hour? Because if you want a hundred percent success rate, most things in life that we do, do not give us a hundred percent success rate, but there's still value and merit in doing them anyway. So manage your expectation, decide what you want to get out of it. Maybe you just do a power hour one day a week, maybe four days, five days, you choose your rules, your life, but uh, make it work for you and make it clear why you want to do it. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Brain Care Podcast. Don't forget to leave us a review and subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes and follow us at Your Heights on Instagram and Twitter for daily doses of brain care. Did you know Heights started as a newsletter that I've written every week for years? I'm still doing it, and I'd love it to reach your inbox too. So for weekly science-backed emails on the best ways to take care of your most important organ all in under three minutes, sign up at yourheights.com forward slash Sundays. See you next week.